press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to taste in. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Ooh drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say, say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life in New York City and the world. I'm Connor McDowell. And I'm Dylan McDowell. Connor, how are you tonight? I'm great. I'm, I'm getting into this groove of doing like evening recordings again because everyone's got stuff to do <laughs> during the day now. I know. I'm great. I'm so excited for this guest. I am, I oddly worked all day, which is a new sensation for me. And as I've said before, I don't know if I like working. (laughs) So I hope none of your coworkers are listening to you right now. I mean, I love having a job and I love my job, but working all day is no joke. I mean, and you're part of Broadway's return because everyone who listens knows you work at a Broadway ad agency. So, yeah. So it's like so exciting, but also like, what's the tea on being like you wake up in the morning and then you have to like work all day and then you get home at night and you have very few hours then you have to go to bed and do it over again like what kind of capitalist nonsense did I buy into when I was born in America no although I I feel lucky to be in this country half oh we we know we got it we got it Connor we know we know what you mean (laughs) I know Dylan I have to tell you I've been watching the same episode of the bachelor in paradise for five nights well that's the thing is you don't have all day to binge anymore (laughs) i know so now it's like you're probably behind on all of your shows and i know you keep a tight calendar i keep a tight calendar i'm really stressed because i'm like five weeks behind on ted lasso and i'm i did come out this summer as a ted lasso stan and it was really big it was almost as big as when i came out as gay but um dylan i know you famously left bachelor nation (laughs) i did i was leah remini escaping scientology but i left bachelor nation you did not say you were leah remini leaving scientology I was, and I feel so, so much like better, but I still have, you know, there's still like um, reverberations every now and then. I'll, like Aftershocks. for people I was watching the other two, you know, the other two starring friend of the pod, Helena York and Derek Pleth, Pleth or whatever from Jojo season played a cameo role in one of the episodes. What, what? Remember hot Derek? He dated the girl who was emotionally intelligent. Yes. Taylor. Paradise. And remember that one scene yeah. they were like dating and they had an odd vibe, but all of a sudden, out of the blue, there were. Do you, you know what I'm going to say to you? This scene, this is no. like many summers ago, so no one but me remembers this. They're just sitting on the cabana, you know, it's evening time, so it's the night vision camera too. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, he just grumbles, "Fuck you." Do you remember that? <gasps> oh my gosh! No, it was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my life. But they're not together anymore. No, because he's well. You have to watch the episode of the other two. Okay, but on this on this new Bachelor in Paradise, they had I think three hundred contestants enter the beach on the first night, including David Spade, who's not a contestant, but gave like really wry humor. And remember Brendan, the really really cute dark hair, blue eyes, Brendan Murray's. There's like a few every season that I would like follow and then eventually unfollow and Insta. Yeah. He was on. He was on Claire slash Tasha's season, season, and he's the villain of this season. Oh, I hate that! And he's like a full-on modern-day reality star villain. The Bachelor has really crossed a threshold because he's like on cam. Basically, he started dating a girl before classic, and they both knew they were going to paradise. And then when he got to the beach on day one, he pretended that he was single and was just kind of like singing it out, but he wouldn't like kiss the other girl that he was dating. This, this oh. amazing woman named Natasha. And he gaslit her for like four episodes. And then Piper from Matt James's season joined and the, the rumors were all on the beach. They were like, Piper and Brendan are already dating. Piper and Brendan are already dating. And then she showed up on the beach and took Brendan on a one-on-one and there was everyone was like freaking out they're like oh we knew it we knew it and then on the one-on-one Brendan was acting shady as hell and Piper goes I don't know why you're pretending like you've never seen me before because we both agreed we were going to come into this and start dating and and then like he was caught on camera saying to her dude it doesn't even matter like we're going to get followers before oh, the show even no. airs it was crazy I, I I realize I hate this show now because for better or worse. But it's fun. I love when you update me. <laughs> I know, but for better or worse, social media has changed reality TV. And now contestants know there's more to it than just the plot of the show. And it's yeah. just really hard to find people to do reality shows 
that aren't aware of everything they're going to gain from it outside of like actually wanting love or actually wanting to be America's next drag superstar. I think both things can be true. I think they both can things be. can be true. And I will say, are you saying that they're not there for the right reasons? <laughs> no, and everyone was using that line. They were like, he's not here for the right reasons. He's not here for the right reasons. Oh, it's all too classic. Listen, our guest seems very engaged in this conversation, which leads me to believe perhaps they were or are a part of Bachelor Nation. I don't want to out them, much like you were outed, Connor, but I think we need to bring her in because I'm living for her reaction. Yes, it's time. Our guest today is The Moment, best known for her Outer Critics Circle Awards nominated role as Katie Heron in Mean Girls the Musical on Broadway, for which she also starred in the world premiere production in Washington, D.C. During her time as Katie, our guest won the Broadway.com Audience Choice Award for Favorite Breakthrough Performance and the coveted Star of the Year Award. That's a gag, honey. Say no more. She made history as the youngest person to play Fontaine full-time on Broadway in Les Mis. She's also been seen as Kim Ravenel in PBS's Live from Lincoln Center Showboat and Beth in Signature Theater's world premiere of Kathleen Marshall and Sheryl Crow's musical Diner. She was featured opposite Tyne Daly in your theater company's Dear World, as well as starred as Nellie Forbush in South Pacific and Sophie, Sophie in Mamma Mia at PCLO. She has appeared on Saturday Night Live, The Today Show, Late Night at Set with Seth Meyers, The Tony Awards, and as Young Gloria in Girls 5 Eva. She's an activist, philanthropist, and recently engaged to Broadway's Erin Samuels. You can see her live on September 19th at 8 p.m. I'm giving you the exact time here, everyone, in a brand new solo show at Chelsea Table and Stage. Please welcome to drama, Erica, Erica Henningsen. Hi! I was having so many reactions to the Bachelor chat. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> I'm sorry that we didn't bring you in sooner because I was like, oh, she has more to say than me. So she should co-host this segment. Well, no, I famously left Bachelor Nation too. And I actually left it a while ago. So I do understand that. So it is You're really safe fun. here. Exactly. It's fun to hear what's going on. I stopped watching. I mean, this feels like ages ago, but it, it really feels like just yesterday. I stopped watching after um, JoJo season. Which well, Connor and I are famously were in an episode of that season. No, you're kidding me. Are you serious? Well, we were like at a post-date surprise Dan and Shay concert. Stop <laughs> it. Wait, I have always wondered about those because I'm like, uh-huh. who books the acts for the end date musical moment? I don't know. We found out about it through Dan and Shay's social media because... I oddly Stop. loved them and still do actually. <laughs> and they like, we're like Dan and Shay fans come to a free concert slash taping of the bachelorette. And we were in Columbus at Ohio state at the time. And so, oh which I know Michigan rivals rivals right here. Rivals. And, I know. Um, Enemies. and so it was just in like Pittsburgh area. So we just drove with two of our besties, Mary and Allison. And we went and we were in the audience while they filmed the entrance like two or three times. And it was crazy. It was like basically Jojo and her date who was, this guy Luke? called Luke. He was like yes. a former vet or something. I remember Luke. Basically, Dan and Shay performed two songs two times each, and they filmed JoJo and Luke entering twice. And then they like danced and did this whole thing just twice. I and think they, they kissed. I think they kissed too, which the crowd went wild. They fully made out. Why, why oh. did you decide to leave Bachelor Nation? Well, okay, it's because I watched this Lifetime series that I was like obsessed with called Unreal. Um, Yeah, like right. I don't know if it came out then, but I just watched it after that. And I'm sure some of that, you know, scripted series was heightened because duh, good television. But enough of it kind of rang true for me. And I like researched the writer who was obviously a producer or a line producer on The Bachelor. And I just thought, okay, now I know too much. Now I can't. For example, I cannot, I was not there for the right reasons anymore. I wasn't there to watch them fall in love. I was there to watch like the cracks and the manipulation in the foundation. Whereas before I like truly believed we are here for love. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> You're a romantic at heart. I really was. I really was. And then Unreal, great series, but it ruined it for me. I know. And Unreal, that um was great cast too. Oh I remember I God. like, and it lasted a couple seasons. It was so good. They did a black bachelor before the real show actually did. So uh, yeah, it was amazing. Also like Danae Benton was on it and was stellar. She was oh, in so the first good. season, right? She was in the first season, I think. And she just, I think she was, her plot line was like, 
they were going to be like, you're going to be sort of like the black contestant. And she basically said, okay, I'm going to rewrite the story that you're trying to write. And she left the show. So I was bummed because I wanted more Danae Benton in it, but um, I really liked her plot line. Cause I thought that's the way to do it. I love the yes. actress who plays like the main like producer. I don't remember Sherry her name. Appleby or yes. Constance Zimmer. Constance Zimmer. Constance Zimmer. Erica's like, okay, I have IMDb memorized in my head. <laughs> Constance Zimmer. And then she, she won like some award for playing it. Cause she was amazing. It was so, I, it was kind of the first time where I, you know, it was really one of the first things I had binged in a while, maybe because I came to it late, but it was also one of those shows where I was like, why didn't I know who either of these actresses are? I knew they were not unknowns because they had been around for a while, but it was that moment that clicked in for me that like, oh, you can work in this industry for years and years and not be a household name and Mm -hmm. still be that freaking good as those two actresses were. Wow. That's so true. Yeah, it really was. That was when I thought, oh, okay. You know, nobody, I know these people by name and face. Um, I would stop them in an airport, but I don't know if anybody else would, but I just thought they were so brilliant in it. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of when Carmen Cusack made her Broadway debut in Bright Star, which we were talking about her off pot earlier, but how she was in every single tour. She did South Pacific. She did Wicked. She did Phantom, Les Mis, like everything, another Fontaine, I believe. And everyone was like, this is her like splashy debut. Like, where has she been? It's like, she's been. All over the place. <laughs> She's been. She has mm-hmm. been. And, she, and like now you're noticing. I know I love those stories because I just also think it, especially as somebody who it just reminds me like it's such a marathon. It's so not a sprint. Mm-hmm. I know. That's so true. I mean, mm-hmm. not everyone, you know, makes gets a, a Tony Award nomination in their first debut. Although you should have for, for your breakthrough role uh, in Mean Girls. You're so kind. I was, that was, I was sad that morning. I was, you know, it's very interesting. I was like a little, I was a little sad. I was really bummed because it was one of those things where I think I had kind of prepared myself for that. Cause I just thought, you know, I'm brand new, haven't been around the block really. I knew the role was not, you know, even though I was proud of what I did with it, I just kind of thought like, I don't know if this is the thing that is going to grab people's attention. In not the as same flashy. Way. Not as flashy. So I really prepared myself for that. And actually the first person to call me that day was Carrie Butler and Carrie Butler. I believe she was talking about hairspray, but she said, you know, she was in hairspray and everybody said, Oh my God, you're amazing. Because duh, she was amazing in it. And everybody's like, Oh, you're going to get nominated. You're going to get nominated. You're going to get nominated. And then she said it was so disappointing when she didn't, but it changed her perspective on everything. And she's like, and it's why I've stuck around for so long. And like, I could not, I feel like I don't, let Carrie Butler know enough how much that phone call meant to me because I was able to go to work with my castmates and be like, it's okay. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Like everything is okay. Um, But it was really because she kind of broke through any sort of negative self-talk that could have really unraveled for that day and the rest of the beginning of the run. Um, So she was really great. That's so beautiful. I am a, it's well-documented on this podcast. I'm a Carrie Butler stan. Catch Me If You Can is like my favorite musical and her her Brenda track in that song, Fly Fly Away, is just everything. The Truly best. the best. And, really you know, I, I think that I remember her giving an interview about, she said she felt like she let the team down that, that year because everyone else, with the exception of Matt Morrison, was also nominated in Hairspray. <sighs> and she was like, maybe like one of the only ones. So I can only imagine, especially in Mean Girls, I think we thought a lot more of you were going to get nominated. So it's like, yeah. I'm sure there was weirdness of like, oh, a few of us did and a few didn't. It and- was weird. It was like they they kind of had one spot for each each some mm-hmm. almost, you know, is like we had one spot for the plastics and then the leading ladies and then one spot for like the, the art freaks. So it was kind of interesting. Yeah. It was really like, I, I think it was almost in a beautiful way. I think it was exactly what needed to happen because it was like, it wasn't just all the attention on one person. It kind of allowed the show because the show was an ensemble cast, even though I was at the oh, center yeah. of it, it really was an ensemble leading cast. And because three very different people were nominated, it was kind of this thing where it was like, right, well, Ashley Park's performance isn't flawless without Kate Rockwell's. Uh, Regina George can't be what she is if I'm not there to sort of support that alpha female. And then yeah. Gray Henson is not hysterical unless he has Barrett Weed next to him being sort of like the dry punchline next to his tap dancing uh, extra extra gay best friend. So that was what was really interesting about it. It did in this beautiful way if it hadn't been those three and like those three categories, it might have turned awkward or weird. And it kind of just became a a celebration of the ensemble cast. It felt like. Right. 
Yeah. Oh my god, sorry so we're already getting into like Tony yeah. nominations drama. I guess Tony's a bit on my mind because we're getting Tony Awards <laughs> at the end of the month. I know, what? You know, which is like, is anyone like, remember that? I don't, um, it's so random. Michaela Diamond and I are throwing a dinner party that night and we kind of forgot and we felt really bad because we were like, oh my God, shoot, people are going to like want to watch the Tonys. And I think we're still going to watch it, but we just felt bad. We were like, oh my God, we're not trying to like do something in opposition to the Tonys. We just always think of it as being in June. Right, right. It's so random. I love that you and Michaela Diamond are pals. She's, she's one of my besties. She's wonderful. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I love that. She was phenomenal uh, in the share show. Like, stop it. Not fair. Mm-hmm. Literally, she sang and the beat goes on. And I was like, what the f- I can't run it. That was like one of my favorite mo- numbers Best in the moment. whole show. When she would do that <laughs> kick every time, like, every time she'd cross the so stage. So good. It, like the la di da di at the end. I was just like, what is this like mm-hmm. feature on stage? So good. Were they across from you guys? They were. That's how we became friends. They were across from us. I, what happened? I don't know why we became good friends. Cause I think we went to the opening and we went to the opening because we were good friends with Michael Campano who was in it. And I think I just kind of saw her and thought, okay, that person is unreal. I want to be in that person's orbit. And I think it was probably just over like dig in meals that we got in between shows. Cause we'd be oh, in line. Love. love. It's now called dig famously renamed dig. Um, oh. I, know, I did not know they rebranded. Drop the <laughs> N. Stick with dig. This is like when <laughs> Vanessa Ann Hudgens became Vanessa Hudgens. And I still call her Vanessa Ann. Vanessa Ann. And it's also like of all the things that I needed to rebrand after these 18 months, was it dig in? <laughs> And why, why is INN wrong? Like, I, it was just such an odd statement right. for them to make. I was like, nobody needed this. Is it still there? Right, Brian? Yeah, it's still there. First and second or whatever? It's still there. Okay. I went good, in good. and it was like... Maybe people thought it was a hotel. Oh, my God. Dig in. You that know what I mean? has to be what it is. Because I'm just like, why would <laughs> they get rid? Also, dig. I don't know if that's the greatest... It just sounds like cheap. Mm-mm. They were just like, we don't want to like buy new letters. So we'll just get rid of some old ones. Right. That was like my, I'm treating myself middle of the week. Cause I, you know, I worked at 54. So it was right like right there. around the corner on my lunch hour. <gasps> oh, it's so good. I would say you mean girls, kids coming up and down. I'd see a lot of people going to that Chipotle. Oh, yeah. I can add to the Chipotle. I'd see Kyle with like a bag of Chipotle and I'd think, oh, he's got it for Erica too. Like that's what I would think. <laughs> Kyle loved Chipotle. No, I cannot eat Chipotle before the show. Not good for the tummy. No. <laughs> Never. Well, because you were on stage the whole time. Did you even eat before? Or did you just wait? Oh, every I night think I need to end? do like a whole podcast just about like what I had to eat during like the eating diaries of Mean Girls because I got I like panicked. There was like six months where I panicked because I was like my body can't process food because I just like had a nightmare of like having to like run off stage. And then it stuck in my head. Oh. So Diggin mm-hmm. was really like one of the few. My order was so boring. I just went back to Diggin and got like the mac and cheese and the meatballs. Oh, but like uh, back love. in the day of Mean Girls, it was salmon and sweet potatoes and brown rice. It was like what you give a dog if they like are incontinent. <laughs> or is that the word? Huh? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I do. You have a Where dog now. Oh, she's right behind me. I want to see her. She's oh, so cute. I see her on Instagram, but. And you rescued her. Oh, I see her. Oh, she can never be too far. Is she attached um, to you? I know. It looks like she blends in with the couch. She is attached to me. She is. It's funny. We have a very, like, she and I have a really sweet relationship that when, like, Kyle's gone, I realize that she is my dog, but she just, like, loves Mm -hmm. boys. So sometimes when Kyle, you know, I sometimes I feel a little neglected by her. And then as soon as he's gone, I realize, like, no, no, we're, I'm her OG. She sounds like Connor, honestly. I, I was just going to say, I relate to her. I'm like, I love my girls, but when boys are around, <laughs> they don't have a chance. They don't have a chance. We are just kind of curious about your present state of being, Erica. We'd like to ask all of our guests, are you well? Am I? <laughs> I My favorite response always. I am like, I am enjoying the process of, of accepting being a bit unwell. <laughs> Um, Oh, okay. I think that's the thing. I have to say, I am well in the sense, like, I have, you know, on a day to day basis, I just feel very, like, fortunate. Still, I just, I think about so many people who got really broken by this um, pandemic in our industry. And I think, I think everybody did in some way. But luckily for me, it did not mean like I still had my apartment and Kyle and I's um, relationship, like we got engaged. So, you know, there was a lot of beautiful stuff that came out of this and then sort of just personal stuff on my own end. But I think this time I feel like a bit of whiplash because I'm like, I am so grateful for things to be up and running again, 
But I also feel this little ticker inside me going, you need to be X, Y, Z. You need to be everywhere now because everything is back. And I just, I don't think that's, I think we figured out that that was not true after this year and a half off. And I'm trying to continue to just trust the timing. Wait, Kyle is so freaking cute. The fact that you guys are together, like it's the most envious couple ever. I mean, it's so cute that you had this little showmance that turned into... I know. Forever. I know. It's crazy. And of course, yeah, I was admiring your ring earlier, but when did you guys get engaged? Um, we got engaged mid-June, like June 16th, I think. I should know that. We were away. We were like on vacation. <laughs> so what is time when you're on vacation? Um, right, right. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I Drama. I had had um, some showmances that had gone awry in the past. Oof. So um, Kyle was like the one, especially because I knew Mean Girls was hopefully going to be this big deal. I was like, no, 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 no. We are not going to go there. Like it always go, always goes poorly. And I don't know why he, it wasn't like he was aggressive or persistent. He was just like, I think we can trust that we take this, this show and our work seriously enough. And we respect one another enough because we had already been working together for, you know, a couple months at that point. So it wasn't like we were strangers and we were just, you know, castmates for a while. And I think it was, I'm happy we did. Cause I'm like, that was the showman that was supposed to work out. Thank God I didn't right. nip it in the bud before it had a chance. So you weren't dating in DC. No, we started dating. We got through the out of town tryout. Um, and then we had okay. our first date on our first like official date. Like Gray Henson will say you guys hung out, but it was like under the guise of walking to um tech together you know or walking to um previews <laughs> together in dc but we had like our first date where we like sat down just the two of us not with any other cast members on december 6th oh oh my god wait so who made the first move i'm like all of a sudden like blushing and giddy like thinking about this it's so cute um, <laughs> who made the first move oh god i guess he would say that i <laughs> well, we love to see it know. it's funny it's like we both have what's interesting is we we both have different moments where we both were kind of like oh that person is flirting with me and so that's the weird thing it's like my in his mind my first move was not my first move because i was like oh i don't think that was first flirtatious and his first move he said oh no that was just so i think we're kind of in disagreement of who started it but we just got i mean we got along so well when we started working together and then obviously the show in dc it was really you know it's just stressful putting up a new show we were in previews and we got so many changes all the time so i think we had a conversation where we were like why don't we just get through this and then let's go on a date when like nobody's watching us like separate from the cast when we're back in new york um and we can kind of we also had like two months before we started rehearsal so we were like let's see how it goes and if it goes badly we can like nip it in the bud before rehearsals start for the Broadway production. Um, so that was our right. It's very mature. Very mature. And that's the thing. I was like, that's Pro- why it worked professional. out. Very professional. Jeff Richmond famously did not know we were dating until like a year and a half into the Broadway run. <laughs> oh my God. I thought the chemistry was just so good. I was like, or it was so bad that he was like, there's no way those people can be attracted to one another. <laughs> Wait, is it like so weird being in a show with your significant other and being like, Ooh, maybe I I wouldn't do that acting choice, but I guess they made that choice tonight. <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. It's weird. You don't process, at least we didn't. I did not process Kyle on stage. I think we were playing such, like, we brought a lot of ourselves to those characters, but like, you know, I never got like, don't repeat this to him. Well, you can't. I was like, I never got butterflies watching Kyle be Aaron Samuels. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> those sweaters that you wear are truly heinous. Like, I would not. <laughs> you mean not when he pushed his hair back? Yeah, I guess that I, I, there were like a couple moments, but like the moments when he was off stage and we would like, those were those moments. It was the on stage stuff was kind of like, I mean, I was playing like such a sweet dweeb for the first <laughs> act. Like, you know, I don't think he got any, maybe he did, but yeah, it is funny. I think there were, I think sometimes he would watch, he was pretty consistent. I would get a little bored and make very odd choices and yeah. he would give me eyes that was like, ma'am, what? track are you on tonight like what are you doing oh my god i love it well i just have to say when connor and i saw mean girls it was actually the day after the tony nominations that (gasps) that may we did like the um because you can only rush on wednesdays and you know we were you know we were hustling to make that coin so we had to do the rush and my boyfriend and connor camped out overnight to do like they literally got there like what connor what time three in the morning morning. what erica it was an insane. Ex- I've never done it since. But you know what? It was so <laughs> worth it. I loved wow. it. Wow. 
And the, pri- the price was right for the ticket. Price is right. Price yeah. is right for the ticket. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate it. I'm glad. I was like, oh, God, I hope it was worth the wait. Love. That reminds me of what I was going to say is you were a supernova in that show. <laughs> like, you know, it's obviously an iconic role. But what, what I loved about the musical adaptation is, is that it was like a, a twist on like what we were expecting. And everyone was, you weren't doing an imitation. And we talked to Taylor Latterman about this when we had her on the pod back in January. Like it wasn't like an imitation. It was like a new, you originated the role yeah. on Broadway. And that was so, you did a beautiful job. Thanks. Yeah, that's such a good point. You really did. I remember when um, Orfe was in Legally Blonde and I remember hearing about, you know, everyone else who went in for Paulette was doing a Jennifer Coolidge yes. impression. And she went in and she did, well, she really did Orfe, <laughs> but she did her own take on the character. Orfe is Orfe. And I loved that. Yeah. Orfe is Orfe, right. But that's kind of what you have to do when it's an iconic work, yeah. you know, because otherwise everyone, otherwise why would you exactly. go see it? You know what I mean? Just exactly. And I think that's why like the shows that, you know, there's so many movie musicals these days. And I think the ones that hit the best are the ones that don't try and just like recreate the iconic performances or iconic moments. Like I thought it was so smart the way the writers did it. They talked about how, you know, they said like, we're not going to have a song called That's So Fetch. We're not going to have a song mm-hmm. like Trang Packs in the auditorium with, you know, all those lines <sighs> that we love. They were like, those, some of those might be in there, but the musicalized moments can't be the buzzwords because how, like literally how do you build a song on that? Right. And the same went for the characters. I think we all pulled like a couple things, but certainly for the Lindsay Lohan character, for Katie, like it doesn't what she accomplished on screen would get so fully lost in a massive comedy musical, which is why my Katie was like a bit more on the balls of her feet is the way I'll use that. Definitely. (laughs) Did Lindsay ever come see it? No, she was supposed to, or at least I don't know if she was supposed to, but, or if this was like a publicity thing, um, she was in town promoting her nightclub in Mykonos. Is that how you pronounce that? Oh Oh, yeah. I remember when that, that was a moment. That was a moment. that was the moment and um she was supposed to come and it leaked that she was coming and so they canceled i actually remember uh, reading that didn't she say she wasn't invited to opening or, or there was like maybe drama that she was banned from opening or something when in reality there that was not the story not the story i don't even think they would have wanted to come to opening like i don't think it was even on the radar of the producers of like we should get the movie cast here because i think they just thought all these people have moved on it had been so 16 years because mm-hmm. it, it came out in 2002 yeah i think i think that's yeah. right the only person who i could see who really would have wanted to be there would be jonathan and his last name is escaping me right now who was aaron samuels and he did come eventually <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course that's like his his thing is like be everywhere do everything like yeah he is he loves he, if there's a camera he's nearby he's gonna be back <laughs> he's gonna be back yeah he, <laughs> wait okay so looking back on your mean girls experience which i'm sure still feels very much like what people really want to talk to you about because you left and then the pandemic happened and things in many ways froze so in some ways i wonder has it been hard to move on from me and girls yeah, for that reason i'm so happy you asked that well you you both understand because you work in this industry so you get that like when you leave the show so many things happen after that but just none of them are publicized it's like the things that have happened for almost two years now in my life like one thing was publicized because it was related to my personal life or or one thing was like common knowledge but there's all these little things that have happened after and yet for many people who love mean girls i'm still katie heron because mm-hmm. sabrina carpenter who was about to take over over, really only got to do one or two shows. And so, yeah, it has been hard because I feel very grateful to it, but kind of ready to leave it behind. And in a weird way, I feel torn because the thing I love the most about Mean Girls was getting to sort of set an example for the younger generation and or like a young generation. I just mean like the the, the teens who loved the show um, and the young adults who loved the show. And it's tough because I still feel such like an allegiance to them and such a pull. But I'm also aware that, you know, I'm not actually I'm not part of that thing anymore. And so I'm trying to figure out, like, how do I maintain sort of an like a role model-esque 
version of myself that is not steeped in mean girls. Cause it really mm. is the thing that I took away from mean girls was that like with great power or with great press comes great responsibility, but that was all tied to mean girls. So I, mm-hmm. I don't quite know how to um, thread that needle right now. And it's why I like disappeared for a while. And, you know, uh, I'm sort of trying to figure out like, how do I harness this thing that I was given, but do so in a way that leads it away. Um, away from Mean Girls and towards something else. And I I will say like in terms of my personal life, it's the one thing Kyle and I worry about is that like we are always (laughs) going to be Katie and Aaron to some people. And I think that's why we're like so itching to, you know, we, we like working together, but we are trying to actively pursue like separate projects and separate concerts and things like that so that we have these identities that are not intrinsically linked to the show we met on. Mm, that's <laughs> yes. delicate balance. I, I really appreciate you sharing that. I can only imagine the, it's sort yeah. of like, an, it's like an identity. I don't want to say crisis, but like struggle. It is. It's weird. And it's like, it's a hard thing because you don't want to, I would never, I, I would never be ungrateful for that, but it is, it's almost been prolonged in a way that I don't think any of us expected because of the pandemic. And now that the show has closed, you know, like everybody has their favorite alphabet. I don't know if in the way that like Adina Menzel was able to move on from it because we had Shoshana Bean and then we had like Christine Dwyer and we had all these people that we loved. And in terms of Broadway's Mean Girls, like it was the OG cast. I think like that is a gift and it is maybe also sort of the thing that will follow us for posterity. <laughs> uh, that's so interesting. And I forgot that Sabrina Carpenter was going in and I'm suddenly wondering if her and Joshua Bassett yeah. were together at the time. But anyways, that was even real. I don't <gasps> even know. Wait, no, 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 no. They weren't. They weren't. <laughs> they weren't because I met, she was, she, I don't think this is personal information, but she was with somebody else when she started Mean Girls. Okay. And then I think it maybe ended as she was about to start just because she was like moving to New York and it was like, so much is changing. And yeah, that's when a lot of relationships. Yeah, there we go. So well, you yeah. made it here. She was not with Joshua Bassett. Then. Drama. Drama. <laughs> she is now. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, really quick before we move on to other things. I'm I'm curious, did you see the proposal from Kyle coming? <laughs> um, no, literally now we'd, we'd obviously talked about it. It wasn't like, what? We didn't, we have not discussed marriage. We had definitely talked about it after this difficult year of quarantine and self-taping with one another and getting a dog and like so many things that could have broken us just made us stronger. But no, I did not see the proposal coming because we had been traveling for two and a half weeks together at that point. And we'd been kind of like living out of the same suitcase and I'm like, you know, I'm a little sibling. So I'm just like in people's stuff all the time. It's like his toiletry bag was my toiletry bag. So he was not, if he was hiding something, I had no idea. He had been like carrying the ring around in his um, suitcase and he was not acting weird. We had been around my family and he never was like, I'm going to go talk to your parents now without you around. (laughs) So he just did everything in a way. Like, I think he needs to be a spy because I'm a pretty nosy person. And I had no clue. And so it was really like, nobody tells you this when you actually, I did talk to Danae Benton about this recently because I was talking to her about, she got engaged or she married our friend Carl. And I was like, what happened when you got proposed? She goes, Oh, my brain just short circuited. And I was like, okay, great. So that happened to me too. (laughs) (laughs) Like the planner person in the relationship, when somebody plans something without your awareness, you're like, wait a second. Okay. This is okay. Yeah. Let's do this. Yes, I told that resonates with me in my yeah. relationship. Anytime my boyfriend Hunter tries to like surprise me with something, I'm always like, okay. <laughs> and then I black out. So <laughs> Bully. You feel bad. You're like, wait, no, this is a good thing. I'm just like, I didn't plan it. So I'm just like getting on board. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I, I've said to him before, I'm like, when the time is coming, like I need to make sure I'm like dressed in my eleganza. Like I need to make sure that like there there will be photos. I was not you know? in my eleganza. Is that why you asked, Scotter? Because you were like, um, you look like a train wreck in those photos. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I guess I just always wonder because like if I choose to go down the path of potentially getting married one day, yeah. I I wonder if I'd want to have a heads up in some way. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. There's I, so few surprises in life. Yeah, there are, there are so few surprises in life. I knew that I didn't want it like filmed or anything, you know, but not because I don't like when other people do that. But I, Kyle and I have said this, like we're performers. So like, we know when the camera's around and I was like, I don't want this, this private moment. I don't want to be self-aware, you know, because 
I don't want to like question how I'm reacting or like, what should I be doing? And so I kind of, and also, um, we've had good friends get engaged who said, you know, take, take that day for yourself because then pretty soon everybody's coming in with, you should do this, you should do that. And, you know, we were Uh totally by ourselves. We were in Hawaii and we got to like celebrate it. Really, we didn't tell anybody except our parents for like 72 hours. And then we called some friends. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. so exciting. I love it. Well, congrats to you both. I'm, I'm realizing that we've like jumped all the way ahead to like these huge recent moments, but we do like to take it back to the beginning take in many back. ways with something that we, we call do. the ring of keys moment. Yes, yes. That, that moment of recognition when you realized that you wanted something out of this business we call show or perhaps just pop culture or the performing arts in general. Do you feel like you had that moment? I do. Gosh, it's weird because I'm like, well, which one was it? I have so many little ones. You know, I think what it happened was I had just done a lot of children's theater. So I was always with people who were my age and it kind of felt like a hobby. Um, But obviously it was the hobby that I loved the most. You know, I played so many sports and didn't really excel at any of them. So like I enjoyed (laughs) doing theater the most. But our high school, when I was in middle school, like sixth grade, our high school did a production of Les Mis and they needed a girl to play little Cosette. And... I got to, got to do it. And even though, I mean, when you're in sixth grade, high schoolers feel like big adults to you. And though they were just like, I don't know, it was like the high school quarterback playing Jean Valjean, like, and he was fine, (laughs) but something about feeling like part of a team for the first time. And I was like, oh, these people take it seriously because there were those, you know, I turned into one of them, those high school people who really took the spring musical quite seriously. And it was kind of the first time where I realized, oh, there's another, this is a thing people do. This is a thing that you do, not just at summer camps or in like Mm. summer workshops, your mom signs you up for. And of course it's like Miz. So it's epic, even though famously I said, I think it's going to be boring when I first listened to the music. Um, Like I didn't know, like I didn't get it. Like I didn't get how epic it was. Like it's too much for a 10 year old to take in. Sure, Sure. But I think that was, that was sort of like, a big bite of the stage bug that I recall. Oh, that's so cool. Do you remember any of like this, the high school kids, like kind of like taking you in and like, Oh my God. Helping you out? Or did you feel kind of alone? Yeah, No, I remember specifically, um, Caitlin O'Brien fierce, great mix. She played Eponine queen. Like she was so good. And she was the girl who took it. Like she, she was the girl who was like, Oh, that girl is going to be a star. And it was kind of like, mm watching her and the way, you know, the people who didn't take it so seriously and were like, oh, I'm just doing this for an after school activity, watching the way that they sort of respected her as opposed to, you know, I feel like in sixth grade, taking something seriously, you're at that phase where it's kind of like, it's not cool. Like it's not cool to care about something once you enter sixth grade or seventh grade, eighth grade. And watching mm-hmm. this young woman who really cared about something and was a so good at it and B people in high school, like kind of respected her. Cause they were like, she's on a path. I just thought, Oh, okay. Like I care about this. I want to I want to care about this the way she cares about it. Mm. I never told her that. I should tell her that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure she's a regular listener. Erica, so. She's <laughs> actually, she's in the Zoom waiting room and we actually brought her in today to hey, surprise you. Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> well, so then you're in Les Mis and then yeah. that's where you make your Broadway debut. <laughs> yeah. Les Mis has spooky vibes because it was also um, the last show. I played Fontaine. The last show I did in college was Les Mis and I played Fontaine. So yeah, the last performance I did at uh, University of Michigan was Fontaine and Les Mis. And the person who cast me in that was Alex Gemignani. He was supposed to direct it at um, school. And when I got the appointment for the Broadway production, I called him because I was like, I don't think I'm, I think they meant to send me in for Cosette. And he was like, no, go, go in for Fontaine. Like they, they didn't make a mistake. Like I cast you in that. They could very well cast you in that too. It's not because you were just in college and happened to be good. Like you can play that part. So that became my Broadway debut. <laughs> oh my God. How cool. And, and yeah. you're like what? 22, 23. Yeah. 23. And then I turned 24 over the course of my time with it. Oh, how fun. Uh, we saw that revival, but I think we saw it like the first summer. So I don't think you were in it yet. Not yet. You probably saw Casey who yeah, we did. I got to shadow and like, I don't, it's just, Casey, it, like she is also somebody who has like a weird orb in my life because she was the person I replaced. And then when I was going in for Frozen, which I wanted so badly, I got to like have like a final callback with her on stage where it's like, she was in like this Elsa dress and I was in like 
you know, our own sort of like audition versions of yeah. those costumes. And I remember looking at her and being like, you, you know, it wasn't the show that was meant to be for me, but it was this really special moment with Casey. Cause I was like, I already looked up to you so much because of Les Mis. And now oh, I yeah. get to do this thing with you here. Oh, that's so cool. So you were in for Anna. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I could see it. I could see it at some point, Erica, I will say. I hope, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, I love that show so much and I'm so happy everything worked out. And I think everybody, it's like, that's the main thing that I keep reminding myself is we all kind of twiddle our thumbs. I'm like the path is not always clear, but where I have ended up each time I've not gotten something has always been the right place for me. Yeah. Um, yeah I was like, I would never met Kyle. If I did frozen, I would never have made like my best friend. Like gray is one of my best friends. So it's just, Ugh. you know, there's so many things that came out of that show that's beyond awesome. the role itself. What, now, not to like mm-hmm. dig up bad feelings, but were there any other shows you got so close to the end of the audition process that you were like, you really um, wanted? Yes. Well, it's funny. I thought I was close. Who knows? They could have been like sure. <laughs> the final audition and then held auditions for like three months later. <laughs> um, no, but I do remember. Okay. But this is why I'm like, I think I sometimes have like a sixth sense because I was really close to Anastasia or uh. I thought I was close. It was like, I thought I was pretty close. And I remember coming out of, I like had just sung in my dreams and I came out and I saw Christy Altamari sitting in the waiting room and I literally went, Oh, I thought I literally, and I don't mean this in a negative way. I was like, Oh, I thought my brain went, Oh, I thought they didn't know about you because in Uh, my head, I was like, I saw her and I was like, immediately, I was like, that's exactly who should be playing this part. And when I saw her there, because I think it was her first audition, I was like, why haven't you been here from the beginning? Did mm. did a message just not get passed to your agents? Did like did something happen? Like, yeah. how did they not know that you were supposed to be here from the beginning? Um, oh, that's cool. And she tells that story. Does she remember seeing you? I, I don't know. I don't know. Because I, I swear I walked out and saw her and I was like, I'm not getting this part. Like, I remember it so <sighs> viscerally. And I've never, I've never told her that either. But like, I just remember walking out and being like, oh, th- you're the girl. Like, of course you're the girl. <laughs> like, and I've never felt it so clearly. Never felt it so clearly. Like, I think a sixth sense is cool yeah. to have, especially in this yeah. industry. Like, I'm sure you get feelings about things every now and then too, just with the way things are going you because you, you've had such yeah. cool experiences that you maybe know like what to anticipate I think so I think so and I think when it feels like I'm pushing for something I need to start trusting and I'm like I don't know Patty LaPone has like a quote in her book where she kind of granted she doesn't have to audition anymore but she kind of says she's <laughs> like I don't try and force things like I go where I'm wanted and mm. I think that is so like where when I have been wanted or when I have felt like I'm not having to force myself into a hole when I'm square. Like that's, those are the things that, that work. Um, oh my God. I need you to be Bobby and company. <gasps> Wouldn't that would be? be my dream. Oh, you're, you're a little, you're a little young, but that's okay. Young, but Five years. Yeah. I see it. I need it so badly. I'm like, Five years. I'm about to turn 30 or I, I turned 29. I have like a very youthful energy, but I feel like Bobby can because it's almost like she refuses to grow up. No way. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Not that like marriage definitely. or companionship is like the mark of a grown up. But in that show, a lot of the characters view it that way. So I think that's. Exactly. It's through their lens. Mm-hmm. I know. Hopefully yeah. they'll do like some gorgeous like Chicago lyric opera production that I get to be in one yes. day. Yes. I love that. <laughs> I'm like, You've thought about this. <laughs> I manifest all this stuff. I was like, I'm still waiting. Kelly O'Hara is never going to age. I'm still waiting to play Clara to her. Um, uh, what's the mom's name in Light in the Piazza? I- I always think it's just Victoria because of Victoria Clark. Victoria Clark. <laughs> I can't wait for her to play Victoria Clark, but she doesn't look old enough. She'll never look old enough. No, she never will. She, she never, never will. will. We look like like I would, could be her younger sister, not her daughter. So yeah, literally. <laughs> well, Erica, I'll tell you, it was such a treat to see you in Girls Five Eva. Like ah. to mention like other things and going where you're wanted. Yeah. That just felt perfect for you and I, I think I could see a little bit more film and TV in your future oh my gosh from your from your lips to like <laughs> whoever the fates that be that control that world I hope so <laughs> yeah I think that would be, especially because we're getting so many musical shows and think music things are coming back in yeah on what's the right word back on trend I guess in vogue. I don't know in vogue there we go in vogue. yeah they're very in vogue yeah they are and it is a weird thing it's like Ashley Park said this to me because she she sings a lot in um, this new season of Emily in Paris. Oh, cool. 
And she's saying a little bit in the first season. And she's saying a little bit in the first season. And she said, you know, at first she was like, no, I don't want to do that. That's like, I'm trying to like be this other thing. And then was like, wait, but that's the thing I was literally put on this earth to do. Why should I not do it also in this medium? Um, And I thought that was really hearing her say it because obviously she's a friend, but also, you know, I admire sort of how she's moved through this industry. And I just thought, oh, that's true. Like, why would you hide this thing that you can do really well just because you're like, now I'm doing TV. So I hide, you know, I will not sing on TV if they ask me to. Um, yeah. Our generation is realizing we can actually do do it all. You can do everything you <laughs> want to do, you know? Yes. And, yes. And, Gen, and Gen Z is like, what? I, I sometimes refuse to do the things I don't want to do. Like, they're so cool. You know what I mean? Like they make me feel like I know nothing and could also <laughs> accomplish anything at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I don't quite understand that generation because they lead with such fearlessness and also such like, no, I'm not like, they don't do the bullshit that I feel like if you are a millennial mm-hmm. child, you're like, well, I have to play the game. And like, I'm yep. not going to like really ask for what I need because I want to be like easy to work with. And while I do still find value in being, you know, a kind person and a relatively like team player, um, I do admire sometimes the way Gen Z is just like, no, I, I need to do this my way. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Because uh, that's, that's what we were told, you know, like we're around your age. So like, we get it. Okay, wait, yeah. we are kind of coming to the end, but I do have another question. I need to know about Diner because I feel like that was supposed to come in. Was it just because Diner was happening and Waitress was happening? Like what was going on? It happened. Just a little tidbit. I don't know if we're going to pull it off. We are trying to bring some of that music to New York City. Just Good. like, I'm putting a little teaser here. I have no idea what it's going to be, but. I mean, it's Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow wrote literally like loved Sarah Bareilles. Cheryl Crow wrote like an amazing pop musical theater score. Like unreal. That's what so I heard. Good. It's like so many people have touched that show. Like Jeremy Jordan, Bruno Malley, Whitney Basher. It's like people have been involved with Diner. Stephen Booth. Like so many oh, people wow. have done Diner at some point, I'm like, okay, when are we going to hear all those gorgeous voices singing some of these songs, even if we're not going to see the show? So I'm working on it. Right. What happened with it was, I don't know. I think it is a nostalgia piece. It's about the 50s and, and things in the 50s were not what they are now. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, I think it could still maybe operate. Like I think it would do really well on certain circuits, but I think at least the Broadway audience, they were trying to turn it into a modern day version of a show of a, of a movie that is not modern day in any capacity at all. Um, Mm -hmm. The gender norms, the way men speak to one another, the way they speak about women, the way women speak to one another and how they talk about their husbands. It was just one of those things where it's like, and this is how I feel about movie musicals. You can't put something that wasn't there to begin with. Mm. You can pull something out in the way that mean girls pulled out um, female competition and and spun it into the modern age with the tech and with the yeah. social media. Um, if there is no female agency in a movie in the 1950s, which is okay because that's that was what was happening at that time. That was the true story. I do believe you cannot stick it in there because it feels shoehorned in. It becomes a story that it was not meant to be. And then nobody's happy. It's like the women mm-hmm. are shortchanged. The people who loved the movie are shortchanged. We're aware that this all feels false. And so that's sort of why it's like, as much as I understand that movie musicals are going to happen, I just think they've got to be the right one because you cannot be like, oh, this character had no agency in the 60s when the movie came out, but we're going to rewrite it. It's like, if it wasn't there, it's not going to work now. (laughs) Yeah. The movie has to sing, so to speak, in certain ways. Yeah. And I think it's like, I I do think the, the movie is so good and the screenplay is so good. And it just... It couldn't be a modern musical because it's it's such a memory piece. It is. It's just a memory mm. piece about this era of the the fifties and what that looked like and felt like. And and I I will say there was one song Cheryl wrote that I got to sing that took you. Have either of you watched um that Annie Murphy series? Kevin can beat his yeah song. yeah yeah because we had we had Eric Peterson on oh, amazing. the show. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. She wrote one song that was like that moment where the sitcom wife kind of flips. So that was mm-hmm. cool. It's like she, she dug deeper in that. So that was like, let's dig deeper as opposed to let's like 
plop something and that wasn't there. Um, mm-hmm. And that was like a really successful moment. And it's like, I think maybe the show could come back if it figures out how to do that more, but it just, mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of ran its course. I think. That's, and that's okay. Not everything needs to go to Broadway, you know? Oh my God, not at all. And I got yeah. so much. It was like my first, it's how I got my equity card. It's how I like learned how to put up a brand new show. It was like such a yeah. learning experience. And yeah. speaking oh, of brand cool. new shows, you share with us before your involvement with flying over sunset you won't be returning when the show debuts this fall? I know. This winter, this winter I think. Okay. I think maybe like mm-hmm. late November. I won't be returning. And I'm bummed. And I you know, feel comfortable talking about this. I, I took a gamble on myself. I wanted to stay available in case Girls 5 Eva season two is uh, comes a knocking. And also just to stay available for, you know, I'm trying to lean more into the TV film world, even though theater is like forever my first love. Oh, yeah. It was one of those things where I think this this year and a half, we figured out how to live without it and how to craft an identity without it. And I'm trying to trust that and like make space for something to come in as opposed to, you know, acting out of a scarcity mentality of like, I haven't had a job, so I got to take this one. Even though I do like, I just, I hope everybody goes to see that show because the music is so incredible. But it was, you know, it's a tough call to make, but I was like, it's not, it's not the right move for me after this, this era we just went through. Good for you. That's, that's truly brave. (laughs) I know. I'm, I know. (laughs) It could all backfire, everybody. Like, talk to me. Flying Over Sense, it's going to win like 7,000 Tony Awards. I'm going to be at home being like, oh my God, I made the biggest mistake in my life. <laughs> um, and I'm fully, like, I'm fully mentally preparing for all of that. So it stars Tony Yazbek, aka the, the savior of the Guild Hall performance. <laughs> that, uh... <laughs> The Laura Osmond is well. No, that was debunked. That was that was debunked. Was it? The page six article literally said that Tony Yazbek. I feel like he is. He is just a hero in general. But the the statement that was released on Instagram said that he did not. So there's there's conflicting sources. I started sweating at the mention of this. (laughs) That happened at our. Oh my god! I know. Isn't that so insane? (laughs) It's just wrong of her. But anyway, drama. Erica, I love that you really do use your voice for change online. I guess I'm wondering, a lot of performers don't. And a lot of people choose to stay Mm -hmm. silent about issues that matter to Mm -hmm. them. And I can even remember back back when you were in Mean Girls, you doing like those book drives. Mm -hmm. And going into the election, your voice was so well welcomed into my feed about getting out the vote and just talking about issues that matter. And I just want to thank you for that. And I guess I'm also wondering, where does that drive come from within you? Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, I think out of sheer desperation based on this last election cycle. Mm -hmm. So interesting because, you know, I do not like call my, I'm like, I'm an artist who, who has an activist streak, but I'm not like an activist, right? I just, I think there are people who are activists who are like, creating like on the front lines really honestly who provided the information that I wanted to sort of disseminate into the people who care to like follow my social media. So it's funny. I'm, I don't know where it comes from and it's odd because I was telling Kyle about this. The thing I miss most about Mean Girls is not like the affirmation of having a job. It's getting to be a leader in a building. Like I love, I like mm-hmm. being a leader. I don't love being a lead. Like I am happy to really do anything as long as I'm given the chance to sort of set the tone or to be like Tina Fey had a great quote on our first day of rehearsal. She was like the fish rots from the head. And I was like, okay, well, I'm the mm-hmm. head of this story. So like, don't <laughs> rot us into the ground. And that's the thing. It's like, I really do crave that. And I think that is definitely something that like causes that engine inside me of like, I enjoy that responsibility because I just think like, I also just think there's so much false information in the world that if I can be, if I like, you know, I'm not an expert on anything, but if somebody cares about who I am just in terms of my entertainment work, then why would I not try and and direct their attention to something that I find, um, not that the arts are not important, but just as valuable, which is like our involvement in the political discourse. I'm honestly like in a place where I'm struggling because I'm trying to figure out how I do that down the line, like in a sustainable way. 
and not just like during yeah. crazy election cycles. So I don't know. And that's, and that's really, that's sort of the pickle I find myself in. I'm like, when it's a crazy election cycle, I know exactly what I'm doing, but I, I want to stay like a source of information and like communal gathering about those things throughout month to month and not just in these crisis moments. Yeah. Well, we'll stay tuned. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Stay tuned. And if you have any ideas, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we are sadly wrapping up. I'm literally okay. obsessed with you, but this is so fun. This is like one so of the most fun. fun interviews ever. I just, it's such a joy to talk about all these things. Oh yeah. my God. You're so Erica, sweet. You made my week <laughs> year even. But <laughs> before we say goodbye, we do like to end with our titular segment, dose of drama. And it's where we can share something to rant about, rave about. Perhaps it's a pop culture recommendation, something you're doing, something you've seen. And listeners, I have to tell you this Sunday after 18 months I will be sitting in a Broadway theater at the final dress rehearsal for Wicked on Broadway. And I am freaking out. Yeah. Can't believe it. I'm so so excited for you. I don't know how I feel. I don't. (laughs) When do you think you're going to cry? Like the monkeys? I don't know. I think it'll be at a a moment that I'm not even expecting. Something very (laughs) random. You're just going to like break. (laughs) (laughs) I always cry during one short day when Elphaba and Glinda have like that little moment in the middle of the song where she's like, no one's staring. Oh, that's I love beautiful. that. You know what song is a secret tearjerker is couldn't be happier. That song makes like, Oh yes. It's the best. Song. I love that you, I love that you called it couldn't be happier, which is the, the famously what the bridge is titled when performed out of context of the show. Did you watch the wicked thing on PBS? And they titled it as I couldn't, when Cynthia Erivo sang it, they titled it. Well, what is it actually happier. called? Thank, Thank goodness. goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> but no, like, but canonically, it is called I Couldn't Be Happier. Never play Glinda, you can tell. When that, when that part is, is sectioned off. Oh, you'd be good as Glinda. Uh, the worst thing Gray Henson ever said to me, he was like, you're not a Glinda, you're not an Elfie, you're a Nessa. Oh. He also said, he was like, you're not a Joe, you're not an Amy, you're a Beth. And I was like, the one who dies? <laughs> but gets to sing that beautiful song. Some things are meant to be. It'd be worse to be Meg. She gets the least to do, so. She really gets the least to do. I know. And so I was like, all right, well, you you didn't give me the worst one. Gray sounds like an icon in real life. You got it. You guys will have the best time. I'll make sure you should interview her. Oh, yeah. Okay. That would be amazing. Um, Well, Connor, I'm excited for you. And guess what? I'll be there with you. So I'm very excited (laughs) to be here. I'm very excited to be I'll be there literally too. <laughs> driving from, from Ohio to New York for this. Um, my dose of drama is, is that pretty hurts. And whenever I get my eyebrows threaded, much like I did today, I don't know if you can really see, they completely tear up my under eye because I'm very sensitive and shy. And it's, it's a necessary, <laughs> it's a necessary pain. Do you get them waxed? I just do a threading. threading. Okay. So you are vaxxed and threaded, not vaxxed and waxed. Vaxxed and threaded, girl. Maybe I should do waxing. I just, my hair is so light. No, and... don't do it. All those vaxxed and waxed poses. I was like, Jesus, we've gone through enough pain. Like, don't, <laughs> don't bring us We don't need it anymore. Um, Erica, do you have a dose of drama for us today? Oh gosh. Okay. I have like, I have two. I have one obsession right now, and it's Molly Shannon, based on The White Lotus and the other two, and just, like, everything. It's just, like, why is she so – she also kind of reminds me of my mom in a way. So there's, like, this really, like, tender joy I get from watching her where I'm, like, comforted and also laughing the whole time. So, you know, I think – you know, I, I just love, I love this era of like Catherine Hahn, Jennifer Coolidge, Molly Shannon, where it's like, yes, all, like I'm ready for Leslie Mann's moment where oh, it's like all love. these amazing um, supportive characters are like getting their due. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just love that. Okay. So I guess my other just a drama is I thought about this recently because Waitress just reopened yeah. and I love that show so much. And I like Sarah Bareilles talking about like fish rotting from the head. She's like the greatest leader ever. She was so such a great number one on that TV show. And every, like she was asked like 
she was called every single day, wrote songs. Like it was insane. <sighs> what was asking? Yes. Rose vacation. Yeah. She's incredible. So ages ago, I was called into audition for Dawn. I think they were replacing, it was like the first replacement. Okay. And my rant is that they held the auditions. And now I realize in hindsight, it's probably because Sarah was in rehearsal, but they held the auditions at 7 PM at night, Oof. which like, I have literally never auditioned for anything after the hours of 5 PM. Cause casting directors are like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> But this was 7 p.m. And this was the worst audition of my life because I go in. I'm like, normally I'm like entering into like wind down jammy time at 7 p.m. Because I'm a grandma. (laughs) And we have to sing that crazy wordy song. Uh Sarah Bareilles is sitting right in front of me. And I never told her this. I need to find out if she remembers this. I forgot the words so many times. And I don't just mean like, oh, I forgot a word. I had to stop cold turkey three times. The only way to save myself, I kid you not, was... I went, I'm sorry. I don't know if I can do this right now unless I stand behind the piano. (laughs) And I read the sheet music over the accompanist's shoulder. (laughs) Like worst, worst. But very dawn, very dawn. Very dawn until you're like, can can she string a sentence of lyrics together? Like she clearly cannot. So bad. Like that's definitely like the worst bomb I've ever had. And she was so sweet. She's like, thanks so much for coming in, Erica. And I was like, you don't have to say that. So do you think, <laughs> do you think she'd remember? Maybe I, she blacked I it out. She has to. Well, I certainly blacked it out. It's like, like when I saw her on the first day of set, I wasn't like feeling the shame of that audition. I was like, yeah, we're gonna like do this thing together. And then like a month later, it came creeping back in and I was like, oh my God. Oh my God, that was the first time this person laid eyes on me and I laid eyes on her. And it was terrible. Like the work I did was terrible. Uh, well, I'll ask her one. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing because first of all, no one should be holding auditions at that time. And also it goes <laughs> to show, you know, you can have these like high highs and low lows, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And it was a low. And then I think like the next day I had like a, I think truly one of the next months I had like my Katie audition. So there you go. Comes and goes. There you go. Comes and goes. Yeah. And you know what? I've got to say this last hour or however long we spent together was a high, high for me. This was a dream come true. Erica, Connor and I love you so much and admire you. And I feel like we're friends now. So this has just been the greatest night. You too. This is so fun. Maybe I'll see you at Wicked. Yeah, honestly. Yes, but everyone needs to follow you. What are you? Where Where do you want people to find you? Yes, find me at my Instagram. That's all I have at Erica Henningsen, E R I K A H E N N I N G S E N. Um, and come see the show at Chelsea Table and Stage on September 19th. That's right. Yes, it's, yes oh that's going to be like this is going to come out Wednesday, and then that'll be Sunday. So people need to come and Bye. check it all out. Are you doing? It's a brand new show, right? It's a brand new show. Yes, which I realize <laughs> we kind of have to advertise for because it looks like we're using the same picture. Yeah, it's a brand new show. I'm trying to craft something that's a little less COVID related, so I can start doing it as we um, exit out of this time. And I'm ready to stop talking about it, yeah. so I'm going to start singing about other stuff. Amazing, <laughs> love it. Well, everyone's oh. got to go buy tickets to see this new show. And everyone, listeners, thank you for joining us for this episode. Follow at the Drama Podcast. Follow Dylan at Dylan McDowell. Follow me at Connor McDowell. Connor, I'll see you next time. Drama. Drama.